In this episode, the crew visits a haunted house, makes a rescue from Gilligan's Island, gets a new ornament for the tree, and bets on the wig fight of the century. I'm Captain Awesome. And I'm the Dribble Hippie. Welcome aboard. Find something to hold on to. There are no seatbelts on this bridge. Welcome to No Seatbelts on the Bridge. Today we're going to be discussing Star Trek Season 2, Episode 7, Cat's Paw. For a very special Halloween episode of No Seatbelts on the Bridge. Yeah, because apparently they're still doing Halloween in space. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, just a few things about the episode. It was written by Robert Block, who was actually the writer of the uh, novel Psycho. Um, who also wrote two other Star Trek episodes, uh, Wolf in the Fold and What Are Little Girls Made Of? Um, it was directed by Joseph Pevney, uh, who directed uh, seven episodes from the first season and was first broadcast in October 27th, 1967. So four days before Halloween. It's not a Halloween episode. <laughs> yeah, it was one of those weird things because this is actually the first episode that was produced for season two but they purposely held it just for the whole Halloween aspect of it, which remember at the time uh, TV specials for holidays. I mean, that was a pretty big thing. Yeah. I didn't see a single Wookiee yelling at another Wookiee. So (laughs) (laughs) not all holiday specials turn out, turn out to be that disastrous, right? (laughs) Seriously, a straight half hour of Wookiee screams. Just saying. You know what I think people want? Wookie screaming? I was just going to say that. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I went back and watched it thinking, it can't be that bad. It is that bad. Anyway. Yeah, that might be a whole episode. <laughs> so just nerd stuff. Um, this particular story takes place uh, either in 22, late 2267 or early 2268. And uh, the enterprise, as we know at the uh, 1701 at this point is around 12 to 13 years old. Okay. So they're on a five-year mission uh, and it's 12 to 13 years old. How long did Pike have it? Uh, that's what we're going to find out. Um, there's a math to do. If we look at uh, the season finale of strange new worlds, um, because right. uh, we also have not quite sure how much uh, Robert April had it as well. Um, I think Discovery, oh, about April. Discovery probably shed some light on that. I'd have to go back and watch those because because uh, his five his first five year mission was during uh, the Klingon War um, that precedes this by about a decade. Now, see, that's something kind of interesting if you think about it. They made it through a full five year mission without blowing the thing up. Without having anybody, you know, blow holes in it. And Kirk is like, (laughs) he scratched it getting out of the driveway. (laughs) No, I still, I'm still thinking that somebody at Starfleet is like, oh yeah, well, Jim Kirk could be a captain. What's the oldest ship we got right now? Well, we were just going to (laughs) decommission the Enterprise. Don't, don't put a hold on that. I've got somebody to be the (laughs) captain of it. (laughs) Screw up the Kobayashi Maru on my watch. (laughs) Jerk. So one of the uh, things about this also is that this is the first episode where you see all seven of the, what are the primary characters that would later show up in the movies. They don't show up in any one scene together, but um, this is the first uh, 
one that's actually produced, not seen, but the first one that's produced that actually has Chekhov in it. And we see everybody all together. That is a lot of high heeled boots. <laughs> oh man. I, I have to admit, I, so I was watching this one and, and I, it just caught my eye out of nowhere that um, like Spock and, and Kirk, they both have lifts, but they're, you know, like cowboy boots. They're not really that bad. Uh, Scotty, on the other hand, his are lady boots. <laughs> like he's got, he's got contoured heels on him, And I'm like, why did, why did they do that? <laughs> and then I noticed that, uh, uh, bones also had the, the contoured lady boots. I didn't get around to seeing, uh, Chekhov's boots. But <laughs> I have to admit now I want to see, now I'm curious who got lady boots, who got men's boots. <laughs> do him. I mean, didn't you pick those up? The shelf said unisex. So that's all I'm going to say. The shelf just is unisex. <laughs> I took it off that shelf. Right. You, you do realize it had buttons all the way up the side of those things, right? <laughs> sometimes the guy just likes to feel pretty. (laughs) (laughs) So our story opens and we're orbiting the planet Paris seven. And we, we open, it's a really harsh opening where we open on Kirk and or her station trying to hail someone on the planet and they're not getting an answer back. And, (laughs) And Jim is just, he's just fit to be tied right away because people aren't, he's basically being ghosted. (laughs) And he seems to think that there's a standard procedure for away missions, which anybody who's ever watched Star Trek can tell you there's no standard anything. (laughs) And of all people to bitch about somebody not doing the standard procedures on something, Mm -hmm. uh, physician heal thyself. (laughs) Right. I, I believe the last episode we watched of this, that he was standing around eating on the bridge all the time, (laughs) handing, handing off his dirty plates to his personal waitress. I don't think he's following the rules. It's not a cruise ship, Jim. The other thing I didn't quite understand is he kept reaching over her as arm and like pushing buttons for her (laughs) while he's talking. Like this, this is a professional dude. Leave the, the console alone. Either get over here and do all of it or back off. They cut the scenes where she slaps his hand. Right. <laughs> she should that have just looked at him and been like, you want to do this? <laughs> I just got that the way I wanted it. Right. <laughs> There's nothing worse than when somebody screws up your desktop. Ah. I stack the icons in a certain manner. <laughs> so, uh, uh, they're they're trying to get a hold of Scotty Chekhov and Jackson. Uh, Scotty Sulu and Jackson. Or, oh, I did it again. Yes, yeah, Scotty Sulu and Jackson. And Jackson's the only one who answers. And he answers <laughs> in a totally believable. I swear, I'm still a human voice. I will beam up. Hey, Jackson, you seen the other guys? I will beam up. Okay, <laughs> get me out of here, please. Get me out of here. <laughs> they look at each other like, oh, that Jackson. <laughs> He's always doing that. <laughs> and Kirk, just because he just does not like being answered, just insists on, oh no, we're not going to wait to bring him up to the bridge. Bones, come with me. We're going directly to the transporter room for me to, to yell right. at this guy. And I have to say. 400 people on the ship and he's got to run. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't just have him stay there and you walk? No, no. Right. I want to yell at somebody. I want to be there fast. Exactly. <laughs> 
It's a great scene though, because they beam, they beam Jackson up and it's another one of those cases of, uh, he stands there just perfectly still. They ask him a question and I have to say this one, this flop that the guy does, uh, Jay Jones, the stunt man, mm-hmm. fantastic, fantastic, just completely collapsing. Now it, it brings back the whole thing that, okay, well he was dead but somehow he was still standing up a transporter beam because dead and injured and injured people just are always able to stand up and transporter beams. Never have figured that out. There's also two other things I want to come back to one. I'm not really sure how he died after watching the entire episode. I'm still not sure how he died. And two, he was not there long enough for anyone to look at his eyes. That will come up later. (laughs) But I, I agree with you. This fall is epic. It's one of the best stunts I've seen in the entire entire franchise, right? Dude just falls straight down face first onto the platform and then rolls off. Now, when he does this, I swear to God, the way he rolls down the stairs and stops face down on the carpet, uh-huh. he's holding his face. That hurt. Yeah. There is no oh, way that yeah. didn't hurt. Yeah. Yeah, I th- I th- it looked like it did not ha- happen exactly the way that they had planned, but boy, the right. effect was really cool. Oh man, that was good. <laughs> so hats off to Jay Jones for the nice flop, and we'll actually see him come back in. Uh, he did a total, I think, of nine episodes as both actor and stunt double in Star Trek. So we, despite the fact that Jackson's dead, a guy looking like Jackson is going to show up in future episodes. Is he? He's our first red shirt on this show. Not, not um, on, not on Star Trek. It's our first red shirt. Yeah. You know what? You're absolutely right. All the other deaths we've seen have been gold shirts or new series or whatever. This is our first red shirt. Red now, shirt goes down. I do think it's kind of cool though, that this is something about Star Trek in general. It's always been kind of neat is that because of the red shirt trope, it is completely possible for you to be a working stuntman and have an on-screen appearance in Star Trek because there's just so many needs they, they have such a high need for people who you're never going to see again to die or get thrown around or whatever, but you could be on for an entire season, just waiting for your chance to die. Right? <laughs> it's just kind of cool. So they flip him over and they want to check him out. Now they do this super duper close up of this poor guy. And he's clearly just had a cold sore and they covered it up with makeup. (laughs) It's kind of gross. And he's trying so desperately hard to sit still. (laughs) And man, I'm more power to him. He tried real hard. (laughs) But and then we hear Captain Kirk. (laughs) I love the is it Captain Kirk? Can you hear me? It's like, was was he expecting an answer? Yeah, you're coming in fine through the dead guy. Uh, right. you know, I mean, Wait, was it the dead guy or was it the PA system? <laughs> I don't know. I forgot. Aliens love <laughs> PA systems. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you're going to have a ghostly voice, it is really polite of you to use his honorific while doing so. <laughs> not just be like, Jim, no, 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 Captain Kirk, because that's polite. <laughs> so they, 
they they do this whole scene where you know it's like Captain Kirk, and then they go straight to credits. Now, <laughs> I'm I'm honestly not sure if this is the version that I was watching or if something happened with the recording of this one because I'm watching it and it's full volume. I'm hearing everything in headphones, and then all of a sudden, it's Star Trek music and his voiceover, and it sounds like he's a thousand miles away, turned all the way down. It was bizarre. Did you watch this on the Paramount feed? Yeah. The Paramount uh, Plus? Was it Paramount? Or maybe it was Apple TV. Was because there, I have noticed differences between um, when they were on Netflix and when they were on uh, on uh, uh, Paramount Plus. And the Netflix ones did have a weird... There was a mid-range missing in the mm-hmm. uh, space, the final frontier, that uh, I thought there was something wrong with my amplifier. Um, interesting. But then when I, I watched them later at Paramount Plus, like, oh, no, that's I can actually hear them there. So I don't know well, what the deal Paramount was. Paramount went out of their way to try to to fix some of the sound levels on those as well. Um, maybe this is just one that got missed. I don't know. It was real weird. I was just like, I, I seriously, I was like checking my levels going, what's going on here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I know exactly what you're talking about. But anyway, so we get done with the credits and Kirk beams down to the planet because you know, the ghost said so. <laughs> and remember when you're going down, bring the first officer and the head medical officer, yep. because that's really the best way to, uh, let's make sure everybody at the command level has left the <laughs> ship. And actually speaking of command level, here's where we get into stuff. Cause they leave DeSalle in command of the ship. Now this is one of those things that just bugs you because Okay, when Star Trek was originally written, the idea was Uhura was going to be the third in command, and NBC was like, "No, we're not going. We can't deal with that." So Scotty became third in command. Eventually, she then she was supposed to be fourth in the command, but no, no, Sulu's going to be fourth in the command, so she's fifth in the command. Now, in this situation, fifth in the command should be in the chair, and they actually pay another speaking part actor to play the captain for this episode, rather than have a woman be the captain of the enterprise for one episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh. You got to give it NBC real forward thinking. Right. <laughs> it was gross. It was real gross. <laughs> also, uh, DeSalle sucks. <laughs> I'm just going to put it out there. Um, I, I also found it really weird that everybody on the bridge called him captain. You know what? Uh, I, I didn't notice that. Yeah, it was real weird. And like, I've never seen anybody else call the, the replacement captain before. Yeah. I mean, they don't call Spock captain. They still refer to him as commander Spock. Yeah. That, well, that's a little weird. Still call him Mr. Spock, which is still weird too. Yeah. And this is the last time actually we're going to see DeSalle. DeSalle showed up in two previous episodes of Star Trek, but this will be his last appearance. And this is his only appearance uh, in the red shirt in the previous two episodes, he was wearing a, a gold command uniform. He was in uh, this side of paradise and the squire of Gothos episodes. Maybe in those other two episodes, he was training for his command chair. Yeah, Maybe. there we go. Ooh, oh, no, no. He, they're out of order. That's what it is. He got to try uh, out command. And then he was like, you know what? I really like that. You know, I, <laughs> I felt like I had all the power. It was awesome. So I'm going to go get a gold uniform and I'm getting off of this boat. That's exactly what happened. There we go. Rationalization. Uh, Michael Barrier wasn't bad. I think the character he was playing really sucked. Yeah. Yeah. 
completely agree. I think he pulled off the thing because he because he did want to slap him. And, you know, that's that's the sign right. of, of a good actor. If he can create a character <laughs> that you really want to slap. Exactly. Uh, and I think he really pulled that off. <laughs> so they get out of the planet. The first thing Spock starts talking about is, you know what? There's a lot of fog around here and <laughs> there's there's no oceans. There's no moisture in the atmosphere. There's really no reason that we should have fog. In fact, there's no reason why we should be able to breathe either, but you know. <laughs> Does anybody else notice we're on a lifeless lump of rock here? I mean, come on. Uh, I did like though that, that now that they've noticed that there's a whole bunch of fog, and of course it's, you know, it's scary movie fog. <laughs> then Kirk's like, hmm, I'm just going to jump down into the bottom of the fog, see what happens. <laughs> I'm sure it couldn't be bad. It's like, dude's never played video games. No, you don't jump right? down into the fog, dude. Don't exactly. do that. <laughs> Turns out it's a pit of alligators. Kirk's dead. Roll the footage. There we go. And I don't know why. One thing that really stuck out to me in this episode is that Starfleet is really awful with their firearm safety because Kirk <laughs> is walking in front of Spock and Spock is holding the phaser like directly to his back half the time. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Greet every phaser like loaded phaser. I'm sorry. That's just really. You know what? Mm. In all seriousness, if you watch TNG, for the most part, they walk around with either their weapon holstered or pointed to the ground unless they're hunting something. Yes. And if yeah. they're hunting something, they also take formations and they they go side by side so that nobody is pointing their guns at each other. I always thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, I, I grew up around guns. So, you know, I, I noticed the gun safety stuff, too. Um, and on the old series, absolutely no regard <laughs> whatsoever. Tossing phasers back and forth, juggling phasers. Oh. And, you know. <laughs> and, and they act like, like they're, uh, carrying around a Colt 45 yes. and they don't know how to use it. <laughs> it's real bad. We've seen the way these things work. If you hit my ankle, my entire body disintegrates, dude. <laughs> There's no flesh wound here, right? Oh, it's just a scrape. Ah! <laughs> I get that second and a half while I watch the rest of my body disappear while I scream. Awesome. So then we go back to the Enterprise. And we see Chekhov for the first time. Hey, now actually Chekhov had appeared <laughs> in previously broadcast episodes, but this is the first one that was actually produced with him in it, which is uh, why it's really, really odd that his hair is so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is one of the worst wigs I've ever seen. It's gigantic. <laughs> And somehow it still manages to make him look like Davy Jones. <laughs> I, it's stunning. Now I have to admit watching this episode, I, I, I never noticed how much he looked like Davy Jones before, but he really kind of does. And that was actually part of the, uh, according to him was part of the inspiration. The popular, the monkeys oh, yeah. was the, uh, was the reason checkoff was written into the series. Wow. I, I like the fact that that they wanted him to have kind of the shaggy hair. So so he's wearing this wig because it's early in the season until his hair actually grows out. So this, <laughs> this will be known as the reverse Shatner. Um, <laughs> it is kind of funny, though, because as he aged, he actually did get quite the noggin. Yeah, very true. <laughs> um. Anyway, so it's kind of hard to look away from him, but he's he's <laughs> checking things out. Um, 
and uh, he, he's he's looking through uh, Spock's little viewfinder with his blue light, and uh, uh, Uhura is still trying to get a hold of the party, and all she's getting is static because this is the '60s Star Trek. That's okay. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm wondering. I'm wondering if the static is just digitally produced because when digital signals don't go through, you don't get anything. So rather than have silence, they programmed in that there would be static. So at least I don't buy the soundboard theory. I don't, I don't buy the soundboard (laughs) theory. I don't, I'm I'm fine with it being the, the, this is the best they knew about in the sixties. I'm fine with that. (laughs) You know what? I'm totally with you on that. I'm totally with you on that. (laughs) I, I do find it amazing that once again, we're finding yet another planet in this galaxy that was, had a primary geology of paper mache. Right. It's, it's, it's absolutely stunning that, uh, that, that so many things are, are made so shoddily. I was going to say, if it, if it weren't for paper mache and spray foam, there wouldn't be any planets at all in the galaxy. I mean, that's just, that's or at least it would be way, way fewer. So they're, they're wandering around in the fog. Uh, and all of a sudden Kirk goes, listen, and I got to say, Ghostbusters has totally <laughs> broken me because every time anybody stops a group and says, listen, all I can think is, listen, do you smell something? <laughs> so of course I found myself having to pause because I was laughing. My ass off. <laughs> and then bones is like, Hey, do you think, uh, and Kirk's like, shut it. <laughs> I will say this, this show. Okay. I'm going to back up a sec. So we've been through all the TOS, uh, movies. Yes. We've been through a couple of the TOS episodes. Yes. And after getting to that point, I am now realizing something I never did before. That Kirk treats Bones worse than anybody (laughs) he's ever met. He is so mean to that guy. I don't know why they're friends. Because he is horrible to Bones. And And it's always like... He could be walking along, talking to Bones and Spock, and Spock could be like, "I think you smell like a baboon," and he'd be like, "I understand that. That's you know, it's your Vulcan way. That's the way you think of things." And Bones could be like, "I think you look very nice today." And he'd be like, "Shut up! What's wrong with you?" <laughs> I don't know what you meant by that, but I'm gonna find out. And I'm gonna hold you accountable, McCoy. He's just so mean to him. <laughs> Well, anyway, <laughs> I would say, you know, if you had to live with a guy who knew that much about your um, medical history, mm. it might make you a little testy. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's an unfortunate choice of words. <laughs> <laughs> so Bones, nonetheless, points and they they look off camera and that's when we see <laughs> something amazing. The three witches of Macbeth or something. Oh my God. And they're so weird. <laughs> the three witches of the community college uh, rendition of, <laughs> of So to, to, to build the scene, they look off at this section of rock and there are three witches that are in the fog and kind of hazy, almost hologram, almost ghostly, but not done very well. <laughs> And they're kind of rotating around and going, Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk, Captain Kirk. 
And <laughs> what I love about this is you clearly have two women and a man dressed <laughs> up as these as these witches. The makeup that they're wearing looks like somebody just threw a bunch of clay at them. <laughs> and the guy is trying so hard to sound female that he just sounds like he's singing. <laughs> I, I, I love the turtle look bit because they really were trying to do the whole thing where they'd go against the the dark backdrop so they'd have the floating head effect and it didn't work at all so it just looks like they're kind of like we're witches that work at the coffee house you know it's, it's, oh man it's everybody's seen that show where people are like moving around and trying to look scary because they're they're standing up and then they're sitting down and then they're moving left and moving right these people were totally doing that and trying to rotate around each other it was hilarious <laughs> no no i think it totally worked and clearly everybody knew that it was hilarious because kirk looks to spock and says comment spock <laughs> Bad poetry. <laughs> Dude, it was the best. I don't know how Leonard Nimoy kept a straight face. <laughs> a useful comment, Mr. Spock. Oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> so they uh, they start noticing on their tricorder that there is, in fact, life forms. And so they are they kind of thumb their nose at the witches and decide to leave even though because <laughs> you know the witches have totally disappeared <laughs> even though they're just kind of standing there like they don't see us right <laughs> i'm sorry where was was our bit over am i do i stand here is somebody gonna tell me what okay never mind <laughs> guys i have an audition later can i can i leave um <laughs> And then all of a sudden this super gusty wind picks up and starts blowing them all over the place. And there's with only the, one thing. Great sound. The great Star Trek uh, wind sound noise too. <laughs> <laughs> like all wind in Star Trek is going through a, a soda bottle. <laughs> what I love about this is they all kind of throw themselves around on the set, whatever. And then the, the wind dies down and they're like, oh, okay. All right. We're good. Except for Kirk's hair. Kirk's hair has been destroyed. <laughs> He's got a big giant plume on top. And then the camera pans aside for a second and pans back to them. And Kirk's hair is perfect. Uh, this, job, is, this is why actually he brings McCoy everywhere. McCoy also doubles as his barber and stylist. Oh, that makes sense. That, that, that makes perfect yeah, sense. Actually. Right. <laughs> that he's not actually carrying a tricorder it's, it's actually a little man bag and inside he's got all of his, his product it's european <laughs> well, he does have a little man bag on his yeah that's absolutely right he has a right? little belt yeah and then they look to the side again <laughs> off camera in a different direction this time and go oh, what is that Dun. castle it, it's the scariest thing that people in the 60s could come up with <laughs> A castle. <laughs> I was just saying, oh man, with you know, you're going to have some legs loaning construction regulations because that place just was thrown up really fast. So, right. <laughs> well, I mean, I I saw it. I'm going to tell you right now, it's made of foam, maybe some wood. <laughs> That's, that's still not listed rude, for three hundred eighty yeah, right? thousand on the open market. <laughs> <laughs> 
so they 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 start getting closer and they're they're scanning and scanning and scanning and Kirk's like, well, if there's life forms over that direction, how come the ship scanners didn't catch it? And Spock's like, <laughs> uh, maybe a force field. I don't know. Or no, I'm, I'm sorry. Kirk said that. He said maybe there's a force field. <laughs> and Spock doesn't say anything, but his mind is like, maybe because I know what the flip I'm doing. <laughs> Well, and then Bones looks at him and is like, well, wouldn't that affect Spock? And once again, Kirk's like, shut up. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he's, he's just so mean. Did I, did I ask you anything medical at all? <laughs> Damn it, Jim. I'm a doctor. I'm, I'm a doctor. <laughs> okay. On this team, you're the punter. Okay. You, you, that, that's just figure out how it works here. <laughs> I gotta say that uh, medieval times must have been real desperate back then to be doing this much product placement. <laughs> As I walking by, I kept waiting for some you know kid in a, in a, in a medieval outfit to walk up and be like, right this way to your table. <laughs> <laughs> it would be logical for us to have a turkey leg. <laughs> <laughs> and then we get in the castle, and when you get inside the door, there's a black cat. Meow. <laughs> Meow. Okay. So this black cat, the whole show that the cat is in, they're making cat noises, like actual <laughs> cat noises. But this first scene, it's a guy doing his Donald Duck impression. It's so bizarre. And it's like, has this person ever seen a cat before? <laughs> And I kind of like the whole thing because the effect was this was supposed to be scary. And instead, it's obvious none of these people are cat people because they just have this disgusted <laughs> look. Oh, great. Cat. That's, that's right. awesome. <laughs> Spock's like, I think I've seen one of those before. <laughs> uh, yeah. So obviously, it's getting spooky. <laughs> we got witches. We got a black cat. We got a castle well a haunted castle there we go that's why it's that's why it's scary yeah (laughs) and fog don't forget the fog fog so they uh they they uh, bone says something about trick-or-treat and spock's like what's trick-or-treat jim's the little thing oh you'd be a natural it's like Dude, just calm down the racism just a little bit. Well, okay. Not just racist, but he he says you would be a natural and Spock kind of cocks his head at him and he says, don't worry. I'll tell you later. Like on top of it, I'm going to mansplain what trick or treating (laughs) is to you because, you know, don't worry your pretty little head about it. (laughs) Surprise. He wasn't like, you should dress up as, as Captain Dominguez. (laughs) Oh my god! For those listening, I'm not the racist one here. I'm referring back to Kirk's racist rant in episode one. <laughs> Let's be very clear. Yes. <laughs> so it, as soon as it, they walk in, what they can no longer the Enterprise loses them off scanners, don't they? Yeah, yeah. They they disappear. We take a real quick uh, uh, trip back up to the Enterprise where um, Chekhov says, "Oh, sir, we've we've lost them," and. What I, I do love is he's on the little scanner dealie and Uhura comes up and looks in it with him. And the look on her face is like, I don't, I don't see anything. It's just blue. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Yeah, I don't see anything either. And and of course, you know, Kirk has already figured out why they they came off of the scanners because you know he had to have an excuse to be a jerk to Bones. <laughs> cloaking device. It's always a cloaking device, right? If you don't I see also, it, there's a cloaking device. I also like that DeSalle was just such a jerk. He's <laughs> when Chekhov's like, "Hey, I can't find them on the scanner." He's like, "You need help." <laughs> maybe you should recalibrate your sensors yeah like that's not the most obvious thing that i could possibly do thanks dude well and you know what Chekhov was thinking at this point if you were any other man i would kill you where you stand that's a terrible oh, yeah. accent don't let me do that again <laughs> well then Desel does the exact same thing lieutenant Uhura is like yeah and keep on trying to you know reach them <laughs> you just leave it. it's like you know what in a couple of weeks you're gonna be gone and i'm still gonna be here so uh yeah. right i'll jump right on that thanks <laughs> yeah i i will admit the disdain that the two of them had for their new captain buddy was very palpable <laughs> the whole time that i i will give walter koenig one thing the whole time that they were in this scene or in any of these scenes and taking orders from DeSalle you very clearly got that impression of like, why the hell should I listen to you? You're an idiot. We all know what we're doing and you're dumb. He was projecting that sixties, never trust anybody over 30 vibe. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So they're, they're walking along a dark hallway, walking after the cat for some reason. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden the floor gives way. At least <laughs> the floor under their shadows gives way. Uh, the cat turns around and comes back and is as confused as the rest of us by the perfectly cut hole in the floor. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and the cat looks down and sure enough, all three of them have been knocked out because they fell to the, to the floor below them. <laughs> not one of them was grabbing their knee or their ankle going, son of a... Right? <laughs> I, I got, I'm sorry. I have fallen from higher than 10 feet. It didn't knock me out. <laughs> right? It hurts. Don't get me wrong. Yes, that's... It's not comfortable. <laughs> I wish it would have knocked me out because it did hurt. <laughs> right? So then we go to commercial break. This is... CBS's commercial break from 1967. <laughs> and when we come back, everybody's hanging from chains on the wall. <laughs> and now Jim really is worried about what kind of Halloween party this is really going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was hanging with my boys. I passed out and I woke up to this. I don't even know what kind of hijinks I was involved in. <laughs> it's like the prequel to Hangover. <laughs> I really like the hanging skeleton bit though, because man, whoever that person was, their ligaments are amazing because they're still all held together against that wall. You know, I've often wondered that about dungeon scenes. They always have a skeleton in there, and like every once in a while, you'll see one where that makes sense, like they've got a shirt on or something. But usually, it's like, how is that thing still standing up there? I always thought that the ligaments were the first thing to go. Nope, it turns out that if you die, no, nope. yeah, right now. My favorite thing about this skeleton is that the entire time that the skeleton's on screen, it's right in front of the camera and there is a visible latch on the side of the skull 
because you can see that it is a skull cap covering up the, you know, brain <laughs> because this is clearly from like a science class. <laughs> I'm going to guess that they brought this over from the Quincy set or something. <laughs> Ooh, grab that on the way up. Grab that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe this is this is too early for Quincy. It would be uh oh gosh. Jack is it Jack Klugman? He was Quincy. Yeah, that's right. Klugman was Quincy. Now uh, there's another doctor show from the 60s. It's very famous. Uh let's see, Marcus Willoughby was in the 70s. Uh it's gonna drive me nuts. Lincoln. I'll have to look it up later. Anyway. After Kildare? Yeah. Yes, Kildare. There we go. Kildare was in the sixties. That's what it is. This is a skeleton from Dr. Kildare's office. That's, <laughs> that's my, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. And I like immediately they go to, this is weird. Cause I mean, there's a human looking skeleton and cats and everything. Oh, I, I'm, I'm going to say it's a parallel earth development. What do you think guys? Which <sighs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> okay. This time I'm with Kirk. Shut up bones. That's just stupid. <laughs> That's your answer for everything. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then Spock starts espousing all the stuff that (laughs) that humans fear. Oh, this is clearly everything that humans are afraid of. (laughs) Yes, yes. We we had ghosts. We had witches. We had a lightning fast real estate development. You know, we're just kind of waiting for the IRS agent to show up to ask for your receipts. And then we'll get everything that humans are afraid of at the instinctive level. Well, except for, you know, Kirk. He's your son. (laughs) (laughs) But we already got to see that in in the movies. (laughs) So Scotty and Sulu show up and they're not blinking and they're walking very rigid. So they're zombified, you know, and making it very obvious. And uh, by the by, the look they give Jim, it's kind of like, yeah, they kind of showed up and want to talk to you about the lines you had taken out that they had written for them. You had taken out of last week's episode, dude. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And the thing is, so these guys walk in. First off, I, I'm watching the same thing that everybody else is watching. I didn't see their eyes being weird, other than they just weren't blinking. And Bones is like, they're not blinking; they are on drugs. <laughs> It's not really how that works. In fact, most people I know that have been on drugs, they blink a lot. <laughs> this is the 60s. I mean, if they're on drugs, shouldn't they be thinking they can fly? I thought I thought everybody who was on drugs on television in the 60s and 70s thought they could fly. I thought that was just the That's thing. That's true. Otherwise, either that or they instantly wanted to murder people, which I, I guess oh, they yeah. did kind of want to murder. So that's, oh, that's there, clearly there 60s go. drugs. Unless it was like, you know, MK Ultra, then, you know, they're just like, hey guys, what's up? <laughs> anyway, um, sorry, I'm listening to a podcast about MK Ultra. It's a little bit in front of my mind. Um, so the, the other thing that really bugged me about this is that then Spock is like, oh yeah, Jackson also wasn't blinking. You saw him for maybe a second. He materialized and died. <laughs> you know what? No dead people blink. <laughs> They're all really bad at it. So maybe all dead people are on those same drugs. No, it was really weird because I mean, he just fell and just has smashed his face <laughs> into the floor there and didn't blink a bit. It was weird. Not even <laughs> once. Maybe, maybe honestly, it's, that's one of those lines that he delivered it so stoically that all of us are like, 
what are you talking about? Yeah. The writers were like, <laughs> but maybe they wrote out the scene where Jackson actually just stood there for 10 seconds before he fell. <laughs> <laughs> Jackson, what's wrong with you? One, two. <laughs> I think the, uh, the scariest thing about this whole haunted house though, is that nobody, but the two people he's with seem to know who Kirk is. <laughs> And if there's one thing he's afraid of, it's people not knowing who he is. <laughs> this is Do you know who weird. I am? <laughs> <laughs> so then Sulu goes to unlock everybody. <laughs> and he's got this big plastic gold key. And he walks up. It's like a novelty key. <laughs> and he taps everybody's handcuffs and like moves them around a little bit. And their handcuffs pop open. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, my daughter used to do that with like hairbrushes and crap and she would pretend to open all the doors and it looked exactly the same. <laughs> and it, you could tell too, like the, their, their hands are in these handcuffs and as, as soon as he taps them, they would release their hand and the cuffs would like fly off of them. Like, yeah. We weren't holding them shut. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty crazy. So Sulu finishes <laughs> unlocking everybody. And I, I love how Kirk is just standing behind Sulu watching as he finishes unlocking Spock. <laughs> and then he's like, well, maybe I should attack now. Nobody's paying any attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> They're all moving really slow. This, uh, well, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so as soon as they attack, Blink, they all blink into existence into the throne room. Which has okay. this nice muted purple lavender red look to it. Oh, it's it's fascinating. It's it's very inviting. Yeah, it doesn't look like a cafeteria with a bunch of curtains hung up. <laughs> Pretty sure this is actually the uh the the rec room on the enterprise. <laughs> uh yeah, you I know can't what? prove it, but I think it is. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> And we're going to meet Korob. We're going to meet, uh, he's one of the villains of the thing, by, uh, by Theo Marcuse. Um, and we're going to get to notice that Theo is going to play this uh, Star Trek episode as the bad guy in a piece of costuming that was only used a couple of months earlier on Gilligan's Island. So that's a nice piece of, ni- nice, a very oh. nice wizard's robe with the... Uh, with the eye in the middle of it. I mean, really fabulous. I'm amazed it fit both of them, to be honest with you. Well, and so when I read that, I, I went back and looked for a picture and sure enough, there's lots of pictures out there of, <laughs> of uh, Theo Marcuse and Bob Denver standing side by side wearing the We're exact better. same thing. <laughs> and I mean, clearly they had to add, you know, a couple extra yards of fabric on this to, to let Theo wear it. But <laughs> It's such an odd choice that they were like, all right, let's go raid wardrobe and we're going to pick the most visitor, like the, the most, um, uh, all that word that means things are easy to see. Conspicuous. Conspicuous. Let's grab the most conspicuous thing on the rack. <laughs> Cause you know that there was some little kid who was watching this. who was like, well, I saw that on Gilligan the other day. <laughs> Now, the only problem is, is that Gilligan also had a pointy wizard's hat to go with it. And yeah. He, he really should have been wearing yeah. that. Why, why, why did they leave that out? Now, uh, just a little background on Mercuse. He was a, a television and movie actor 
Um, actually, if, with the interesting thing I found about him is during World War II, he actually was awarded the uh, Silver and the Bronze Star, as well as a presidential unit citation for the work he did as lieutenant on the submarine. The now I'm going to mess up the pronunciation of this, so I expect people to write in about this, but I believe it was the USS Toronto. Um, I mean, so it looks like a, that's how it's spelled or how it's pronounced. And unfortunately, this was his last appearance as uh, about a month after this was broadcast, he died in a uh, in a traffic accident. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Poor guy. Just want to back up a second here. When they when they blink into this room, they they blinked in in front of of Korob sitting in a throne. And Kirk looks up, looks at Korob, and you know, you see that moment on his face of like Whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> and then for no reason whatsoever, he turns 180 degrees and walks to the other side of the room where there's a suit of armor and stops to look at the suit of armor. <laughs> like, he doesn't even talk to the guy. Oh, ooh, what's that over there? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I really like to hang like heavy metal weaponry on my wall. <laughs> this would go really well in my apartment in San Francisco. I'm just, I want to, after we're done with this adventure, can I talk to your designer? <laughs> that is, I'd like to know where you got that. That is fantastic. <laughs> I, I do really love Korob's opening line though. <laughs> <laughs> what is it with you people? It is an awesome delivery. <laughs> Can't you just accept what it is? Why, why do you people have to? It's like, oh, Grady's a politician now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> why do people question stuff? I, this is an inconvenient for me. Just, just chill, <laughs> right? I don't know. And the cat shows up too. And all I thought was they should have killed that damn cat and had a chance. <laughs> Would save so much problem, right? <laughs> And, and the, whole he, thing, he, the whole thing is like, well, I told you to stay away. Dude, you you told me to stay away by speaking through one of my dead crewmen. <laughs> Would have been better maybe just put up, you know, do not disturb sign into orbit or something. Let us know before we beam down and right? kill one of us and then go, I don't know. I don't understand what you guys have a problem with this. I really don't. Yeah, what did you think said stay away in your message of I already killed one and I got two more? <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Kirk's like, look, I like those guys. Well, I, I like one of those guys. <laughs> I do like when he throws the whole thing. Kirk is like, you know, I'm sick of the mumbo jumbo. And, and Korob is like, well, I don't understand that. Yes, the cat the cat says something. And the Korob's like, oh, oh, no, no, I assure you, it's not that. <laughs> it's like, whoa, what did the cat think Mumbo Jumbo meant? Seriously, I think the cat looked at him and was like, um, I'm not sure, but I've read this guy's mind. It's a sex thing. <laughs> All I could tell he was, I probed the guy's mind and I want to take a shower. <laughs> right. <laughs> and Spock's like, hey, wait a minute. We've been here before. There was never anything here before. Gore was just like, uh, what? Guy can't just, you know, build a castle on a planet on a piece of rock. You know what? Where's the law that says you can't do that? 
Well, there's Federation regulation number four, three, seven. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the cat jumps up and starts meowing or mewing or whatever the word is for what a cat says. And he start and it runs away out the door and or starts heading towards the door. And Bones and Kirk, the look they give that cat, <laughs> just like you bastard. <laughs> I know it's like I know I know that cat's up to no good. I'm just not sure. It's like what? <laughs> so you've got the guy in the wizard costume waving around the scepter, saying stuff, and you're focused on yeah, that cat is trouble. That there, there's something going on here. <laughs> you know, it's it's 1967. You know what they were thinking? That darn cat. <laughs> we we're hoping to get a tie-in. <laughs> oh man oh man (laughs) dean jones is like you shut up (laughs) you shut up right now (laughs) okay uh uh, so spock doesn't understand what trick-or-treat is he just doesn't understand basic things like that uh but he he does understand that this guy is reminiscent of ancient wizards <laughs> who would conjure Satan <laughs> and they often had familiars like seriously. So Spock didn't know about trick or treating, but he played D and D that's really what this comes down to. I, I, yeah, I, I do like also uh, after he goes on his little thing, Corb starts to tell him, it's like, you know, y- your thoughts aren't as colorful as ours, you know, or as the other guys, you know, you're more black and white. You know, it's just like, jeez, dude, what is that supposed to mean? Also, could you explain what this thing is in your brain? Vasquez Rock. <laughs> I, I don't understand, but it seems like a special place to you. Of course, by my theory, it's like, you know, we have one of those on this planet. I have no idea. It's just, you know, <laughs> yes, we know. There's one on every planet. <laughs> right. And then Bones, once again, is like, he doesn't know about trick or treat. <laughs> <laughs> I see, I have this picture in my head of the three of them, like skipping arm in arm down the hallways of the Enterprise, <laughs> ringing everybody's doorbell, trick or treat. <laughs> Uh, and actually Corb's reply to this is actually one of my favorite lines in anything ever. I do not understand that reference and therefore it too is of no importance. I'm thinking, I'm, you know what? I'm using this. Right. <laughs> hey, keep an eye on our, uh, our web store. We're going to, we're going to make some t-shirts cause that's an amazing line. <laughs> it's like the ultimate blow off. I have no idea what you're talking about. And so I really don't care. Yeah, I can't wait to use that line with my boss and my wife. And just, I'm sure everything will work out great. Do not understand that reference. Therefore, it is of no importance. My life became so much easier when I found the power of the phrase. And suddenly there's a table, a big, long banquet table. And Corb just basically lays out the Boston market right for him. Yay. Now, because lots of aliens, just that's the first thing. It, it's something about human beings. It's a reputation we have in the galaxy. How many times do they show up? Some aliens like, oh, yeah, and here's a bunch of food. Right. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that the rumor is, is that we eat aliens. And so they're like, no, no, I, I have regular food just for you. I, I Don't worry about it. 
I mean, did, <laughs> humans, you're not yourself when you're hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need a Snickers? <laughs> um, so the food appears and Bones is like, we're not hungry. And Kirk looks at him again and it's like, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> we'll, we'll sit down and eat. It's fine. What is this weed? <laughs> now, these these creatures have been in everybody's head, right? They've read everybody's thoughts. <laughs> so, of course, the, what's the first thing Korob says? Doctor, try the wine. <laughs> There's a lot of foreshadowing going on here. <laughs> and then, of course, Kirk goes on the whole thing of, you know, we're we're not going to cooperate with you no matter what you do to us. And uh, then Korob decides to... Uh, change the food on their plates into custom jewel, but costume jewelry for some reason. Ooh, he went to Michael's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude, I hate to break it to you, but these shiny things, yeah, this is what we actually use to decorate our control panels on our ship. So uh, you know, <laughs> maybe next time you can throw us some bedazzle, bedazzled jeans and we'd go for those. But yeah, this ain't working. Valueless. <laughs> <laughs> But but I read that <laughs> I've said too much. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I read that you guys love this stuff. Where did you read that? <laughs> In all well, the things we've had so far, where were you reading stuff? He's got Scotty in, cat- in captivity. So I'm going to guess that it's Mr. Scott's Guide to the Enterprise. Uh, available uh, today uh, in paperback on Amazon.com. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, if you do like technical manuals, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, that, that uh, is a, that is a, it's actually just really fun to just look through and uh, lots of fun stuff in there. Yep. So Corb tells him this is just all an audition. We were just testing you guys to see if you were going to be really good, good guys for what we want to do next. Now they're pretty squirrely with what they want to do next, but yeah, they, I came across really cue like I kept <laughs> waiting for them to be turned into merry men or something. <laughs> I am not a merry man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and then, and then the cat goes into the room and walks back as Sylvia. And I just want to point out someone on the Star Trek writing crew has like a thing because this is going to happen in operation earth when Gary Seven's cat also walks into the room and then comes back as some sort of amazingly beautiful woman. So just saying, digging a little deep into somebody's closet in the writing crew, it seemed. I'm going to guess that it's not that hard to figure out who is the writer who lived alone with his cat. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. Um, I mean, this is a pretty common trope in the old series of just creatures turning into people um, or creatures that are being ignored and like, you know, just pushed off to the side. Turns out they're the ones controlling everything and they turn into people and very true. Ah. Um, which if you think about it, it, it says a lot about their attitude towards women that they would just kind of <laughs> brush them to the side and it turns out they were running everything. <laughs> Seems kind of like a mixed message. Right. <laughs> so Sylvia is played by uh, Antoinette Barrow, uh, Bauer. Uh, she was a British-born actress, did a bunch of television in the 60s. Um, 
she was uh, British born, uh, worked in Canada as a, as a copywriter and a DJ and, uh, basically just kind of became an actor on accident. She was visiting friends in LA. Uh, she went for an audition. She got a part, uh, the next week, the same thing happened and she just decided, Hey, this is working. And, uh, I'm going to go ahead and move to LA. Just a side note. She is actually in a very, very bit part. In one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, club paradise, the, uh, Robin Williams movie. Um, she plays a character. I don't even know if she has a speaking line, a very minor character in a bar, um, which I did not know and just found out. Hmm. And, <laughs> and oddly enough, she has the second weirdest wig of this entire <laughs> show. <laughs> it's true. I want to see her wig and Chekhov's wigs fight. <laughs> That's a whole episode right there. <laughs> Sir, my hair, it's transported down to the planet. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those episodes that somehow the wig master, you know, thought that their job was on the line. So it's like, oh no, man, I'm, I'm going all out this one. I'm going to show them what right. I can do. <laughs> I've, I've made contact with this species called the Borg. And they tell me they can animate these wigs. <laughs> Ooh, I just, I, I just had a whole storyline of everybody who gets, gets uh, uh, captured by the Borg. They, they're, they get a fancy new wig and that's where all of the electronics are. Every time they approach a locked door, a, a big saw comes out of their wig. It's good stuff. Yeah. There you, you've got Picard season five right there. <laughs> we're gonna need janeway <laughs> so sylvia reveals to everybody that they have oh no korob reveals i'm sorry sylvia gets mad at him for talking too much but <laughs> korob reveals that they have the ability to probe the mind and i really like uh spock's response to this because he says mind probe and it's really unclear if he's more shocked by the word probe or the word mind right <laughs> mind probe, probe but you guys are doing that with minds really okay yeah. he's like hmm now how would you feel about melding with a mind <laughs> it's like you know i had it i know how to do this <laughs> My favorite part of this, though, is they're going through the whole thing and she starts talking about how there are so many ways into the mind. And while she's doing this, she is playing with a necklace, basically near her cleavage. And yep. they just show McCoy's face <laughs> <laughs> completely go blank. And, and of course, it's McCoy. So he goes completely blank faced. He is sweating profusely and on a Vaseline lens. <laughs> And according to the look on his face, the method of getting into his head is boobs. <laughs> she found the way into his mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Kirk manages to get the phaser away from Scotty. Um, the way he does it is real <laughs> weird. He grabs a handful of the fake jewels off of the plate and tosses them in the air somewhere in the vicinity of Scotty. <laughs> Like, I, I'm pretty sure he was supposed to throw them at him, but it, it was just kind of like, yay! <laughs> Zombie so Scotty, Scotty ooh, shiny things, right? <laughs> He's clearly distracted, and so Kirk takes his gun, <laughs> which is great because a minute ago Scotty was like walking around as a zombie, and nothing could take his attention off of anything. Now he's like, ooh, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so Jim thinks he has the upper hand, and Sylvia says, no, you don't. And she produces a model of the Enterprise on a small chain. And and Cora was like, don't do not do that. Please, Sylvia, please, don't, don't do that. Please, don't. No, don't. Don't do that. She's like, listen, I will do whatever I want. I stood in line for three hours at the Hallmark store, and I got this <laughs> ornament. It's mine. <laughs> so she starts... To uh, make a demonstration of her power to Kirk, she uh, starts running this thing over the candle, uh, this uh, model of the Enterprise, and uh, she allows Kirk to call up to the ship, and they're like, oh, it's really hot up here. It's it's really, really hot up here. It's in hot here. So, and anyway, so this makes me question something specifically. So voodoo is applicable to starships? Right? I mean, it's that voodoo that they do so well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just that, that one, that one took me, you know, I've seen this episode a bunch of times that never really struck me. Huh? Voodoo on starships. Cause right. Wow. Cause I'm kind of starting to worry, wonder if it works on people's cars. No reason. Well, what you can't see is that she actually made very tiny stick figures inside of that model. <laughs> Those are the actual voodoo dolls. Uh, that's right. Cause the transmuter that they use is like the ultimate 3d printer. So yeah, totally. Oh, makes yeah, sense. totally. Yeah. Uh, she does say that the reason this works is it's called sympathetic magic. <laughs> yeah, it's that's... like people calling themselves an empath. <laughs> <laughs> she says sympathetic magic is how, how Jackson died. <laughs> and Kirk is like, you can't think man to death. <laughs> and uh, you, you, you know, look at Spock's face, and he's totally like, yeah, speak for yourself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> of course, you can't think someone to death. That would be impossible. Right? <laughs> so when Kirk calls the Enterprise and asks if it's getting hot in there, Chekhov says, yes, it's up 60 degrees in the last 30 seconds. So I did some math. (laughs) (laughs) So everything about Star Trek has normally been in metric and Celsius. So if that's the case, then we have to assume it's roughly by American standards, about 68 degrees. If it's like an office building. So 68 degrees Fahrenheit, 68 degrees Fahrenheit works out to, um, I believe it's 21 degrees. 21 and change uh, Celsius. So if it increases by 60 degrees Celsius, (laughs) that puts it at 177 degrees Fahrenheit. Those people are dead. If this is one of those episodes where they're only dealing in Fahrenheit. So it's 68 degrees Fahrenheit. We now increase by 60 degrees. It's now 128 degrees Fahrenheit. Those people are dead. <laughs> you cannot go up that fast, that quick, or that hot, that quick. What they didn't show was that as soon as the captain left, uh, Chekhov ran to the thermostat and being from Russia, he turned it down to like, you know, just below freezing. And oh, so, the, so that was the... <laughs> Or I was like, I'm cold. Stop doing that. Because I assume I've worked in office buildings. I just assume that when the captain leaves the bridge, somebody runs for the thermostat. Right. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, Kirk always looks a little sweaty, so I'm pretty sure he keeps it at like 85. 
<laughs> Come on, everybody. It's going to warm in here. Why don't we loosen up a little bit? <laughs> oh, jeez. I'm wearing my thermal corset today. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, LaSalle, or Kirk tells LaSalle, fix it. do the most obvious thing possible okay (laughs) i do love that that in the early episodes of this show kirk's commands to people to remedy things on the ship are always like well do something about that (laughs) picard's like have you tried rerouting this have you tried rewiring that have you tried doing this have you tried calling this guy kirk's always like you should you should probably fix that. <laughs> That'd be a good idea. Chips <laughs> are complicated. I, I leave that to the experts. <laughs> Maybe Kirk is half packlet. You oh, are man. smart. You make the ship go. <laughs> you started a whole new Kelvin timeline right there. <laughs> so suddenly Korob gets real friendly. Hey, we, we, you know, we, we, we want to hang out, you know, it's no big right. deal, you know? Oh, you know what, what you guys do with replicators, we do with our brains. Uh, that's, that's how we do it. That's Kirk's yeah. like, you mean telekinesis? <laughs> <laughs> and Sylvia goes nuts. Korob, you talk too much. Korob, Korob, <laughs> Korob you're talking too much. <laughs> I believe the pr- Kirk's like, I believe the proper phrase is shut up Korob. <laughs> <laughs> the great reaction shot too because they're going to do this a couple of times in the episode they just fill the frame <laughs> with Gorob's face and get to watch him do the like confused face look huh? it's like, it almost seemed as if we tested this one and people were confused about what Gorob's reaction actually was in there okay <laughs> well, let's go back Theo we got to go back put you in makeup we're just going right. to shoot a couple of reaction scenes Just we'll just get those in there and it'll explain everything when I saw him up close like that, all I could think of was uh, Lonzac, the big the the big guard guy from Captain Proton on uh, Voyager. <laughs> that it just he always had that confused look, and they would zoom in on him, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's our guy. <laughs> and then Bones is like, oh, they lured us in here with a cat's paw. I don't. Is that a '60s thing? I don't get that. It's you know what I'd have to look it up to explain it again. I read it and then I forgot. Basically, a cat's paw is a uh, is a talisman to try to attract somebody else so you can trap them. Oh. And so Sulu and Scotty were acting as the cat's paws to bring down Kirk and uh, and Spock and Bones. That's weird. Okay. Oh, I got there's a fable called the Monkey and the Cat. By La Fontaine. Hmm. And a fable by La Fontaine sounds like it's right up the alley of these particular writers. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Sylvia, she she really wants to keep the secrets. Either that or she's just tired of hearing all of them talk. Yeah, they, they start it's kind of like when you start talking about football, you know, and and, and, the, and the wife just kind of rolls her eyes, you know, that's that's uh you know, I'm really not, I'm not interested in these guys. Guys, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. Right. I don't know. My wife usually is the one talking about hockey when the rest of us are like, oh, no, we're, we're talking about nerd stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think Sylvia was just tired of not being the center of attention. <laughs> That's why she and Kirk get along so well. Right? <laughs> these people suck. This party's no fun. 
hey, you know that my people are just going to send a search party. What are you going to do? And what does he do? <laughs> well, I think Korob's like, uh-uh, check this out. And <laughs> bing, suddenly the Enterprise is back inside a little package. Like, I, 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 I don't know if it was supposed to be ice or what what the point of this was <laughs> i think i saw barbara eden do it once on uh, on uh, i dream of genie i'm pretty sure uh, she put the enterprise in a block of ice that's weird she put somebody in a block of ice to like uh, to freeze them hmm. i don't know um uh, it kind of looked like he just wanted to put it back in the box <laughs> stop touching it don't, don't tell it. don't tell anybody I ever 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 took it out of the packaging. That never happened. Right. No, no, no. <laughs> I got to put it in the box so that nobody can rub off the burn marks cuz that's screen used. <laughs> this is going to be worth a mint someday. <laughs> you know the sad part is is that that little trinket probably is worth quite a bit if somebody oh, can find it. Uh it's at the Smithsonian I read. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I wonder which one, the one in the block or the one Hanging on the chain. Um, the one that I saw the thing was talking about the one in the block. Ooh, interesting. Huh. I'm not sure if it's on display, but they they said it was donated to the uh, the article I read said it was donated to the Smithsonian. That's pretty cool. Just like the original ship. <laughs> uh, Chekhov, of course, has to respond with, "Sir, it's. It, I already said this before. Um, <laughs> they said it before." I, there's like a giant wig around the ship. Uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> keeping all of our hair out. <laughs> force field. Uh, it's a force field, guys. There we go. <laughs> Why are you so obsessed with, with wigs today? No reason. No reason. Right. Right. His head. No reason. I'm not really sure, but my head is really hot. <laughs> <laughs> so... Sylvia is telling Kirk how this actually works. And she tells him, talk or I'm going to put your brain in the blender. Uh, that doesn't sound fun. He's going to spin it around to a beautiful oblivion. She, she oh, messes all things like, well, you know, it can go easy or it can go really, really horrible. You know, if you, if you don't talk, I'd like to do it the easy way. But then for some reason she decides, you know what? I'm going to work on the doctor first. <laughs> Wine doctor? <laughs> <laughs> doctor, I've noticed you've been staring at my breast. Would you like something? <laughs> I think we have some things to talk about. <laughs> That's right, Kirk. Spock, go to your room. <laughs> back to the dungeon. We'll be dealing with you later. <laughs> so we go back to the Enterprise and LaSalle He's really going to make some progress here. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it's like, okay, well, the force field we know is, so we know it's there. And if it's real, it can be affected. And I'm like, what? what is that? The thrown out, you know, metaphysical law by Kirikinta, you know? <laughs> I, I, well, I came up with nothing real exists, but at first I was kind of going with, if it's real, it can be affected. That, that, didn't, that didn't, you know, workshop very well. So... Uh, so I'm going to go with, um, hey, what's that? <laughs> and then we have, and then we have the order to use the phasers. Now, what is he doing with phasers? I would like you to fire the phasers at the force field. 
maximum heat. <laughs> that that's not how this works. That's not how well, any of this works. <laughs> well, hold on. First things first. Um, this guy is clearly like the worst engineer on the ship. Uh, he's also apparently completely forgotten that they all just died a minute ago when the ship increased by 60 degrees. <laughs> and now he's like, you know what? We're in a bubble. Let's heat it up. <laughs> also, what's going to happen? <laughs> uh, does anybody know how the phasers work? Cause I don't um, just turn on the, the shooty things. Fire maximum heat. <laughs> what? What is he talking about? And, and then he he has his defiant his defiant phrase. I bet you credits to navy beans that we can tent. Wait, wait. The same <laughs> dollars to donuts has become credits to navy beans. World War Three took more from us than we ever really realized. Right. <laughs> and what what kind of horrendous donuts did some people have that it transitioned to navy beans? It's just terrible. <laughs> Also, if there's no donuts, just end it all now. I'm done. I, I don't. Th- I don't think. I don't think humanity's going to be able to last if we don't have donuts. Listen, these people have replicators. They're going to have way grosser donuts than we've <laughs> ever come up with. They're going to be like, all right, so this donut has a turkey dinner on top, of it. <laughs> and inside of it, it's a jelly donut. It's amazing. Okay, I would totally eat that if it was like cranberry jelly. Absolutely. Well, I assume if if Klingons have coffee, if they have Rocchettino, then they've got donuts as well. I, I can't. Yeah, they're, I can't all, even... they're all um, like Boston cream donuts, but they're uh, filled with coffee. Uh, oh boy! That's <laughs> but a... I'll tell you what: the pastry is so flaky and delicious. But you, you, once you get to the gawk layer, it's real bad. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm going to avoid that Tim Hortons. Right. <laughs> 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 Welcome to Tim Hortons. Now is a good time to order. <laughs> Eat the donuts before they perish. Okay. Um, so we're back. <laughs> we're back in the dungeon. <laughs> and now we're gonna get all sciencey. Since we're in the dungeon, let's get all sciencey. Well, I mean, they got nothing else going on. They're just hanging around. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, Spock starts going to the whole thing about, you know, they're not looking at conscious fears, they're looking at uh, unconscious fears. So, I'm thinking that their telepathy thing worked probably too good and they like dug too far in your guys' brain. So, which begs the question why is Kirk secretly afraid of castles and black cats? He lives on a spaceship. (laughs) That should not be in his brain. (laughs) Also, why didn't they drill into Spock's fears? There there should have been one of those like, you know, firestorms and one of those weird giant cats that lives in the Vulcan desert. Yeah, Lamut, yeah, yeah. It would seem like there'd be something there. Right? Or, you know, his mother-in-law. Oh, I don't know. Here's here's my theory. They didn't dig into, into Kirk's brain. They dug into uh, Scotty and Sulu's brains. And okay, then Scotty being up. afraid of castles and black cats makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Not sure why, but it totally does. <laughs> <laughs> they just intruded. That's what's going on. Here. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, yeah, because the thing is like, you know, they, 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 they don't, these poor people, they're not from around here. They don't know our tastes. They don't know our methods. You know, they're, they're just, they're trying to struggle a bit. I'm pretty sure that since they had wine and a cat that turned into a pretty lady, they know Kirk's taste. Really well. <laughs> and Jim says they, they treat us like creatures. Like we're just a species. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause you guys have never done that. Right. Hey, guess what? Human is a species. <laughs> Yeah, but we're the coolest species. Everyone loves right. us. <laughs> and then Spock's like, oh, they're totally alien. <laughs> you know you're a Vulcan, right? Right? You're you're a Vulcan standing next to a human. Alien's <laughs> kind of a general term here. And then and then for some reason they when they theorize, yeah, they're probably from outside this galaxy. That really torques off Jim Kirk. This is this is really interesting because as soon as they come up, yeah, I think they're from outside the galaxy. I don't like people messing in my galaxy. Right. <laughs> it's like, whoa, dude, getting kind of territorially. It's a big galaxy. You know what? You're only in one parsec and you all of a sudden are claiming, oh, no, no, no. Nobody messes with our galaxy. Nobody messes with the Milky Way. Milky Way well, all the way, baby. <laughs> it, it's 1967. People really took the phrase wrong side of the tracks very seriously. <laughs> so, yeah, Jim has a real, real xenophobia when it comes to things outside of the uh, of course, is this happening? I'll have to look up and see if this is happening before or after those people from outside the uh, the galaxy that turn the Enterprise crew into little cubes, little dust cubes. Oh, uh, I think that come. Oh, this is season two. Yeah, I'll have to look uh, that up because they came from outside the galaxy. So yeah. if this happened after that, I could see he's maybe starting to you know get a bad taste in his mouth. Right. But again, it's <laughs> he's just it, got PTSD. That's really it. Yeah, and, and but again, it, I can understand it, but at the same time, dude, you're painting everybody from outside the Milky Way with the same paintbrush. You know, you've got to allow for a little difference between people. Uh, that doesn't sound like his strong suit. <laughs> So Bones shows back up into the dungeon and he's got that vacant stare just like everybody else. <laughs> but when he, when they unlock uh, Kirk and Spock this time, Bones, zombie Bones, grabs Kirk by the arm and goes and throws him in front of him. It's like, oh, so zombie Bones is a little more aggressive than uh, zombie Scotty and zombie Sulu. Well, it makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Like he's he's just had parts of his mind unlocked that weren't unlocked before. And his inhibitions are down and Kirk treats him like garbage. So Plus, zombie zombie bones is like, you know what? You're gonna pay. I'm have a feeling that Sylvia probably got a little bit drunk before I did this. <laughs> so, right? You get up there. I may be a zombie, but I can't hold my booze. You know, Jim, you really piss me off <laughs> you know your problem is i forgot what it is but it's bad <laughs> meanwhile back in the throne room oh corb and sylvia are going at it and corb's telling her you know what you got to rein it in woman this is not the yeah, way we're okay. gonna do things specifically uh corb and sylvia are arguing arguing that that's the type of going at it that's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarification. <laughs> um, so Corb is telling Sylvia, what you're doing is not what we're here for. Um, we have a, uh, 
you know, we have a duty to do here. And she's just like, oh, are you kidding me? Have you seen how hot I am? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) At this point, they haven't really told us why they're there either, have they? No, no, not totally. All all that Corb has let out is that they want to learn some things. That's pretty much it. Right. They want their knowledge. That's all they've really said. But they don't say why. And it's... I feel like I got through the entire episode and never really learned what their deal was. <laughs> it was just kind of like, these guys are jerks. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Yeah, she's like, hey, have you checked me out? Are you kidding? I'm a hot. <laughs> and she's like, I just want sensations. Now, Cora brings up a whole thing about we have a duty, the old ones, and this is just a slight writing note. Um, Block also wrote the episode, What Little Girls Are Made Of, um, which actually is one of my favorite TOS episodes. But in that one, the big android Ruck talks about the old ones, the ancient ones. Um, so I'm not saying that the old ones of this are the same as the old ones of that. I'm just saying that using the phrase, the old ones, there's quite a bit of ageism in them in the uh, Milky Way <laughs> at this point in the, in the future. I, I think that's uh, whenever Block can't come up with a name, he just writes <laughs> old ones. He, he used just, to write like John Smith, and then he was like, ah, "No, let's let's change that." I I don't think it has anything to do with the fact that he lived with his uh, his parents his entire adult life. But that's a, that's a completely <laughs> it's the old ones. They they told me I have to call and let them know I'm out late. <laughs> I can't talk on the phone because the old ones won't let me. <laughs> so I also noticed that once again, we have the pretty lady dressed in a body stocking and a flowing over garment thing. <laughs> I'm starting to think that Jean just likes that look because <laughs> they're always dressed like that. <laughs> I I have to say, this is probably the most clothes I've seen on a uh, uh, Star Trek villainous possibly in the entire series. Eh, give it a minute. <laughs> so I also kind of think that these writers, they they saw the future. They totally were envisioning Q. There's some, there's, there's some really cute vibes going on here. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you that. And like, honestly, if I was writing on like, uh, uh, strange new worlds, I might actually consider, throwing in these folks and a little bit of Q knowledge and just kind of mix up a little story there. I think there's something there. Hey guys, listen, there's something there. Just <laughs> I'm telling you, try it out. See if it fits. And, and did we ever really learn who the, uh, who the Arcosians were? I mean, we're totally, cause I mean, they, they had some, they were able to stop like two entire fleets. So true. So yeah, there's, a, there's, there's, there's some stuff going on there. There's way too many people who can do way too much stuff. There's so much stuff that can be done here, and it's not like Q could ever die. Oh. Uh. So anyway, Cora. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we do. Cora get another, seems like he doesn't like this. Yeah, and we do get another great headshot of him reacting to the whole thing as he declares, "I have the power." Okay, hear me out. He lives in a castle. He's on a desolate planet. His only friend's a cat. There's an evil woman and a skeleton. 
this dude is He-Man. <laughs> he screamed, I have the power. He's totally He-Man. <laughs> yeah, I have to say, when I saw it this time around, not having seen it in so many years, when I saw it, I was like, boy, that's really odd. That's... <laughs> When I look at that castle and hear you say that. That's that's really odd. Oh, oh! I just thought of another one. The cat grows to an unusual size that oh, you could even ride. Oh, you nailed it! You nailed Boom. it. He's He Man. Either that, or the guys who made He Man watched this episode and were like, <laughs> "Hey, that's some good stuff." There's a lot of good <laughs> ideas here. What if we called her Evil Lynn? Yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. okay so then sylvia decides that she's going to uh bring jim back to the throne room so she can um experience jim um she explained to them that uh the things that she's doing to to sulu and to bones it, it doesn't really damage the mind it's only a draining of knowledge and will so it's not unlike the experience you have when you watch Star Trek five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. I, I do have a problem though with uh, anytime we move any kind of data, whether it be mental in imagery or knowledge or whatever, or computer stuff or whatever on Star Trek, it's always a, uh, we're deleting everything. <laughs> If you're a species that's going to go like get knowledge from everybody, why not just do a copy and paste? I mean, I don't understand. Like, oh, those are some neat thoughts. I'd like a copy of those, please. Thank you very much. Nope. You I think people them. would be, if, if you weren't going to make me forget my daughter, I think I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can have a copy. That's fine. You know, you can take a picture of a page in a spiral notebook. You don't have to rip it out. Right. <laughs> You got your brain scanner, huh? Huh? Anyway, she's like, well, I'm from a civilization without sensation. I'm British. (laughs) (laughs) So you get it. She's going a little bit wild. And of course she tells Jim, you know, I can take you anywhere. And she's, she's doing the whole uh, sugar mama pitch to him. And And the whole time (laughs) core ops, Peeking through a hole in the wall. Like, hey, what are you guys doing? Huh? I come with my licking hole. <laughs> I mean, even by Star Trek, the old series standards, this is creepy. This is real creepy. <laughs> so even for an alien, I mean, she really, she really falls for Jim quick. This is kind of a thing. She, I guess she has a type because man, she goes all out for him. <laughs> and she did. She was like, "Oh no, no! I know I hurt your buddies, but I would never do that to you." Right <laughs> now, my mind to yours, and I'm like, "Wait a sec!" You can hear Spock in the other room going, "Hey, hey, that's not okay! Copyright, copyright!" Right. <laughs> <laughs> so then we know that Kirk's guard has come down because. <laughs> Well, okay, first off, let's back up. So the writers really were like, you know, this is a woman. Women have very specific needs in life. (laughs) And those needs are for a man to want them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's the 60s. (laughs) 
and it breaks down all of Kirk's defenses. And you can tell because he immediately tries to break her shoulders and crush her face <laughs> in true sixties makeout fashion. <laughs> and then she has to, she has to do the whole thing. Uh, uh, she's making the pitch, you know, I can turn into different women. And she does the whole, <laughs> she does the whole thing. Now, first of all, the first outfit, she looks like something a Kardashian would wear to a funeral. But then the second one, what is that? That That's well, like an on, adult onesie. So the Kardashian look, she's got two pig or ponytails on the front of her head. <laughs> she's wearing like a cape and then like a long strip of fabric that wraps around her neck, across her boobs, around her waist, turns into pants. Like it's, it's real weird, <laughs> but you're right. I'm pretty sure I've seen it on a, a, or a catwalk at some point. Um, and she's, she's blonde instead of the giant brown wig. <laughs> and then she turns into the one you're talking about, which looks like somebody skinned a couch. Oh, good Lord. What is that oh, thing? <laughs> it's like a, it's, so you're right. It's like a onesie, but it's like, it's a, a onesie that's, that's flat. Like they, <laughs> like they sewed the entire thing flat and then she just got in it and her hands and her arms and legs, she looks like a paper doll. <laughs> And she's got another backwards ponytail <laughs> and the hair color and skin color they gave her made her look like an Oompa Loompa. It was real weird. And then she does some calisthenics here. Don't I look hot? I like, <laughs> yeah. You look like it's real hot. <laughs> you gotta be dying. In there. I swear if you, if you were just a slide across the floor, you'd, you'd pick up so much dust right now. Yeah. The it's a uh, zipper. <laughs> They, they really should have been playing girls just want to have fun over that scene. <laughs> we try on lots of different hats. <laughs> Meantime, on the other side of the looking hole, Korob's standing there looking at all this. He's like, mm, nope, too weird for me. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh boy. <laughs> now, now, now we really get to see the, the Jim Kirk's like <laughs> greatest talent, which I like to call intero seduction. I'm going to make out with you and ask you important questions at the same time and hope you don't catch on to what I'm doing. <laughs> okay. Can I just say there are many things that I have decided in my life I would never, ever want to be. And I can confidently say that number one on that list is one of this man's kissing partners. Because <laughs> he just like... Leaves his mouth hanging open and wipes it all over her face. And the whole time he's doing it, she looks like she's panicking and needs to get away. And he's like, no, get back over here. Let's this do that again. the sensation I had in mind. She's okay, like, I what? said I wanted sensations, but not this one. Not this one. Is this kissing? Because I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> Are you, are you sure you know what you're doing? <laughs> no, this, isn't how, this isn't how Bones did it. <laughs> so, of course, it's apparently so seductive <laughs> that she drops the name The Transmuter, which that's a cool name, I guess. So you you use tools. Tell me more about your tools, baby. I love it when you talk to me about tools and plans. Do you need my transmuter? I'll tell you anything. Just stop. <laughs> oh, God, just take it and go away. 
can we put you back on your ship now, please? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all they wanted was sensation. So it kind of seems like the entire thing could have been wrapped up. It's like, well, here's two tickets to rise and knock yourself out. <laughs> right? <laughs> Why are you hypnotizing people? This is an open galaxy. We're pretty I mean, weird. Those people know how to kiss better. (laughs) (laughs) Trust me, whatever you're into, you're going to be able to find it somewhere in this galaxy. You don't have to go around hypnotizing people. Right? (laughs) This trap thing is just not necessary. But then Sylvia catches on and man, things go Dick and Liz really fast. (laughs) (laughs) You're using me and I shouldn't die. That's okay, that doesn't last long because the boys are back in town. town. Out come all the zombie boys. They come walking in and Kirk's like, yeah, I guess I'm going back, huh? (laughs) Go back to my room. (laughs) So we go back to the Enterprise. They're all looking through the the Spock hole again. (laughs) Nope, don't see any change. Do you see any change? I don't see any change. (laughs) No, 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 we're seeing change. We're breaking stuff. As Chekhov tells him, we're breaking stuff. (laughs) And and then DeSalle tells him in response, okay, we can see we're starting to break stuff on this force field, so channel all the power from reactors one, two, and three into this effort. Chekhov's like, isn't he an engineer? (laughs) We we don't have a reactor one, two, or three on the ship. I, <laughs> I'm not sure who to tell. Was I mean, is that he's talking about this ship, right? Is that was he talking to me? I just give him some salt shakers and tell him that's what they are. <laughs> Excuse me. I'll go just continue to put the phasers on warm. I guess. I, uh... <laughs> oh, and I'll get. Do you think all they the handed him a hot plate and they were like, "The phasers are on on warm, sir." Just hold on to this, and when they get too hot, you should turn them down a little. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a good idea. I'm starting to think that it was one of Scotty's lazy things that he just didn't want to explain a lot of things on the ship. So what's that? I don't know. Re- reactor one. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, this is Scotty's other nephew. <laughs> that explains a lot. Yeah, right? <laughs> so we go back down to the planet. Korob's had enough of this crap. <laughs> so yeah, he pretty much tells in and and shows up and in the dungeon tells him, yeah, you know what? I'm 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 sorry about my friend, but uh, how about you guys just go and forget about the whole thing? It's totally cool. <laughs> but he, and Kirk is, and are like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And he's carrying the transmuter with him, but he still goes through the motions of unlocking. All of the shackles, <laughs> dude, with the giant novelty cube. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're carrying the transmuter, the, the transmuter that changes anything and matter and energy. You, you're you're holding it. And I, I just want to clarify: this man is wearing a long golden robe. <laughs> he has an eye in the middle of his chest. <laughs> he has a long fake goatee. He's completely bald. And he's carrying the transmuter, which is a stick with a with what appears to be a small white light bulb on the end of it. He's literally carrying a magic wand. So again, design wasn't big on, on this particular alien race. I don't know whose brain they were digging in for design ideas, but uh, oh yeah, my it was God. A bizarre. 
The transmuter isn't the one that Bob Denver was holding when he was dressed as a wizard, is it? Oh, oh I got to go find some pictures because, oh, that would be so much sweeter. <laughs> and then it makes it all more tragic that those poor people were on that island when there was a transmuter there the entire time that could have transmu- transported them anywhere. Dude, that just makes uh, me think of Galaxy Quest. <laughs> Did you think Gilligan's Island was a real story? <laughs> oh, those poor people. <laughs> <laughs> so, documentary right yeah that, I, I was pretty sure <laughs> so uh after he unlocks them they're, they're like what's a transmuter and he's like uh there's no time <laughs> <Let's go. laughs> don't ask those questions <laughs> they walk down the hall and they start hearing a horrible squalling noise <laughs> oh my god it was awful and then they see ominous shadow what could it be i i I guess it's a cat giant (laughs) i mean the shadow wasn't great (laughs) so is the cat really big or is he standing really close to a lamp listen in that hallway all the lights are on the floor that's really the that's all it is he's like oh don't worry about that it looks like that all the time that's just battle cat don't worry about it and then, I mean, just the voice when uh, when uh, when Jim had, throws it out there, why a cat? And it's like, yeah, this is just totally a dog person. I mean, everything right. just just the, just the loathing he has in his voice. And, and once again, Spock doesn't know about trick or treating, but he's got an explanation for why <laughs> humans are afraid of cats. <laughs> they used to eat you guys, dude. Remember the saber-toothed tiger? How do you know what a saber-toothed tiger is? I don't know what those things on Vulcan were called. Shut up. Shut up, Spock. Remember, Spock knew all about the buffalo, too. Right? (laughs) Except for he got their name completely wrong as he was talking about bison when he kept on saying (laughs) buffalo. But, you know. Eh, what are you going to do? Hey, you know what? He did recognize whale song. (laughs) So he just has a very eclectic knowledge base. I guess that's the... Right. He's uh, really what it comes down to is he's got three books out of an encyclopedia. That's what he's been studying. <laughs> he's got W, B, and S. There you go. <laughs> so Kirk is walking along the hallway in sneak formation and he pulls out a phaser and he tries to get ready to shoot it at the cat and realizes uh, it's hey, not even loaded. That thing's. Are you telling me that Scotty and Sulu did not even have loaded guns? See, okay, here's the thing. I can believe it that maybe Jim made that mistake, but in that scene in the throne room, he hands the phaser to Spock. I can't believe Mm -hmm. Spock isn't checking the energy level on the phaser because Spock is just kind of, you know, has OCD and he does that sort of thing. Exactly. Nah, Spock was just like, well, if Jim says it's fine, fine by me. Let's go, Jimbo. <laughs> Maybe it was one of those things he just didn't want to embarrass. Uh, he thinks he's got the upper hand here, so I'm just going to hold the phaser and not say anything. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to pull a wharf, just smack somebody across the face with it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then they show a scene of the, quote, giant cat, quote, running down the hallway. <laughs> And it's one of those things where I, I just think about like that set designer. He gets home, sitting down to dinner, and his wife's like, What'd you do today? 
oh, you know, I, I built a, a small scale model of our set and I forced <laughs> a cat to run through it. She's like, oh, like some kind of crazy monster cat. No, it was a big fluffy kitty. <laughs> <laughs> it really nice was a weird day, day. <laughs> right? <laughs> it was kind of weird. <laughs> um, so Spock and Kirk look up and <gasps> there's the pre-cut hole we fell through. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Corb tells him, okay, the cat's coming. I'm going to hold off the cat. You guys go ahead and get out of here. Which I really love because the cat gets to the door and Korob, who's still holding the transmuter, runs up and his move, despite the fact that he's holding something that can manipulate energy and matter, is to yell, get back, get back. <laughs> okay, so we got to paint this scene a little bit. Because first off, there is an actual cool piece of uh, special effects for the time. So he's standing at a cell door. That's got a little peephole in it. And uh, you can see the giant cat coming through on the other, or trying to peek through from the other side. Yes. And they have, they have, you know, pasted the giant cat footage on that little peephole, which was kind of cool. I mean, it's the 60s. Everybody's oh, yeah. Like, Whoa, giant cat. But it is, it is very obvious that this is a foam door. <laughs> this is not going to go well. And, he, and like you said, he's like, no, no, get back, get back. Dude, the magic wand, the ma- you, you're holding the magic, you're holding, oh, never mind. <laughs> so then the cat pushes down the door and it lands on Korob. Once again, holding a magic wand, how are you stuck under a door? <laughs> and while they're doing this, Spock and Kirk are jump are are lifting them th- themselves through the hole, and I have a question. Kirk boosts Spock up, so Spock goes up first. Um, Spock is both heavier and stronger than Kirk. I'm a little mm-hmm. confused as to why Kirk. Again, this is ego thing. No, no, no. I'm the stronger one. No, Jim, you right. really aren't. I'm fairly yeah. certain Spock could actually throw him up there. <laughs> But um, it does give Kirk the opportunity after he boosts Spock up to go, hey, you know what? I'm going to grab that light bulb on a stick. <laughs> and the way he starts holding it, though, it totally looks like it's it's Bob Barker's microphone. <laughs> and I got to say, his advice after seeing that giant cat, his advice was right. <laughs> Spay and neuter your pets, people. Make sure you do it. This was a cautionary tale. Right. <laughs> Actually, this is this was before the Price is Right. Maybe that's why the Price is Right was like that. He was like, "I want a microphone just like that thing," <laughs> and I don't ever want to see a giant cat. So I'm going to make sure everybody <laughs> spays and neuters their pets. <laughs> the untold story: How Star Trek affected Bob Barker. <laughs> People never knew. Exactly. <laughs> we never would have known, except for uh, uh, Drew Carey. He he found the diary. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so was they inspired by a true story. <laughs> <laughs> so somehow Jim manages to jump up through the hole. Um, Spock helps him helps him to get up the rest of the way, but I don't know how he got up there to begin with. <laughs> they get out, and uh oh, now there's zombies. And the zombie zombie effect, zombie attack. <laughs> <laughs> so all right. 
they're in a hallway. <laughs> you have Kirk, you have Spock. And somehow the group of three guys run into the hallway and immediately split up and attack the two guys. <laughs> Not really sure how that worked, but <laughs> let's paint the picture of what everybody's doing. So Bones is swinging a mace at sure. Kirk. <laughs> Scotty is, I think it's a mace. I couldn't get a really good look at it, but I think that was another mace that he was going after Spock with. Now, just to be clear, these maces are clearly made of cardboard. Every time they accidentally hit the wall, you hear an, a hollow thunk as they hit the wall. They, they look that was like, real funny. They look like a mace that maybe a seventh grader might have made as an art project. Right? Totally. <laughs> and now my favorite part is because Zulu is obviously Asian, he's going to attack using martial arts. And this oh. scene really highlights the fact that um, George Takai did not train in any sort of martial <laughs> arts. <laughs> I mean, this was, if anybody has seen the Marvel series, as, let me put it this way. If anyone has seen and was disappointed in the Marvel series, Iron Fist, this is the sort of fight scene that we're seeing here. It, it looked more like dancing than it actually did fighting. Yeah, it wasn't great. It, it and was it, like, so- give him a sword. He's the sword guy. Give him a sword. No, right? no, no. We're going to, well, have the two of them, karate. they don't. Uh, so at this point, the two of them don't really do much except kind of rotate around each other and <laughs> take a few fake swings. And then we switch over to Spock. Who's going to neck pinch Scotty, put him down. All right. Uh, Kirk knocks out bones by waving his fists in front of his face. <laughs> Cause oh man, the two of them cannot pull a punch to save their lives. <laughs> And then Sulu passed out on his own because Jim was busy fighting Vic Toyota. <laughs> now, for those who don't know, Vic Toyota is uh, George Takai's stunt double in this movie. Um, he also played uh, Tsing Tao uh, in the episode And the Children Shall Lead, unfortunately uncredited. Um, this movie, or this TV show, the, excuse me, this episode is his only credited uh, stunt gig that he ever did. Wow. Um, but this dude was a working actor. Now, unfortunately he did not really become well-known in anything. It was almost all bit parts or guest appearances or whatever, but dude worked. I found credits for him on Kojak, Quincy, Battlestar Galactica, the original Rockford files, wow. mission impossible. He was on Bonanza. Like he was on everything. Uh, unfortunately he died in 1987, but I mean, he made it to 65 years old he was born in 1922. Um, I honestly, I tried looking up more information about him and there's not a whole lot as to how he ended up with his life like that. It looks like he's just one of those guys who was on the set and Hey, you want to be in this thing? <laughs> and he did it. Or, Hey, you want to try hitting this guy? And he did it. <laughs> Um, now, interestingly about this though, uh, Vic Toyota and George Takai do not look alike. Um, <laughs> and Vic is, uh, is shorter than George and is quite a bit beefier than George and has a much darker complexion than George. So 
uh, it's one of the reasons that I looked him up is because it was so obviously not the same guy. And I mean, don't get me wrong. They're not great with stunt doubles on this show. Never have been. But this one was real bad. There's anyway. some things that were shot for obviously for uh, for old aspect, normal uh, broadcast <laughs> television. Yeah, right. If I was watching this. <clears throat> If I was watching this on an 11 inch black and white screen. Yeah, it would have been fine. <laughs> I think actually the first time I watched this, it might've actually been on a black and white, 11 inch black and white right. screen. I had a, when I watched all these shows the first time around, I had a 13 inch black and white TV and I was watching it on a UHF station. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I'm old people. <laughs> <laughs> So Kirk confronts Sylvia and he's <laughs> and, <laughs> like, I have your wand. <laughs> now she, she uh, is behind a wall and she turns into a person. And for some reason, when she does that, she makes a tuba sound. <laughs> like she go, the cat goes back behind the wall and you hear, and then she comes out as a person. You're like, Hmm. That's weird. And the first thing Spock yells out is, don't let her touch the wand, Captain. It's like, yeah, <laughs> not going to be the last time you're going to end up saying that. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well just get that tattooed. <laughs> and of course, Sylvia pulls the, you know, come on, baby. I can give you everything that you want. Everything. So I, what I don't understand, though, so she blinks them into the banquet hall again. Yes. And when she blinks them into the room, he's still holding the wand. Like, if you can do that, why didn't you just take it from him? <laughs> you can obviously transport him. <laughs> at this at this point, Jim's just made her crazy because at this point, she just goes for the obvious thing. I'm going to pull a gun on you. That's true. <laughs> Not all the phasers are out of energy. <laughs> and of course, Jim says, oh, yeah, I'm going to break the thing that you like. Right. And he smashes the light bulb. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. It looked like he was just trying to be petty, and he ends up solving the entire thing. Well, I mean, <laughs> if there's one thing we know about Star Trek, the old series, petty <laughs> will always win. <laughs> and so now we're back on the planet. There's no castle. Um, there's still breathable air, thank goodness. Yeah, right. <laughs> and Sulu and... And uh, Scotty seemed to be totally fine. Bones is totally fine. And we look over to the side and what do we see? <laughs> Bones but, is like, hey, does is, is anybody else feel drunk? I feel drunk. <laughs> 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 and then we see that the bad guys are actually just poorly constructed Muppets the entire time. <laughs> okay, these things are great. These are my favorite Muppets. <laughs> When I first saw him, I was like, yep, 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 It looks like somebody took some shrimp and like tried to make little dancing girl costumes for them because they've got like long hair, but they're shrimp. And then they die. Everybody just stands around. It's like, huh, huh. It's like, oh, this is really odd. Well, they're struggling to breathe. You're just like, well, let's talk a while for, oh, oh, oh. Gosh, I I didn't expect that. Really? They were like struggling to breathe there, guys. Well, and then they started smoking. I don't understand why they started smoking. Because <laughs> when bad things die, they, they, they smoke, smoke afterwards. Oh, okay. There you go. 
And then Kirk or uh, Bones is like, so it was all an illusion. And once again, Kirk has to treat him like a jerk. No. <laughs> Jackson's dead. Kirk to Enterprise. Jackson's still dead, right? Because <laughs> I want to make I want to make Bones feel really, really bad. Right? <laughs> you get to drink all the time. I'm gonna make you feel bad. <laughs> this is why I keep you around. <laughs> I shall name you a whipping boy. So that's it. They fade the credits. And uh, yeah. The story of Cat's Paw. It's real bad. (laughs) Season two, episode seven. So it's fun. It's funny, but it's not good. Um, It's, uh, it's, it's classic sixties TV. Even if it's not good Star Trek, it's classic sixties TV. Yeah, but it, it's one of those episodes that would have been better served on like I Dream of Genie or yes. Gilligan's Island. It's not Star Trek an episode, but they I, all I can figure is that every once in a while a producer would wander in and be like, "Hey, it's time for Madcap," and then he'd wander <laughs> off, and they're like, "Dang, we got to do it again." <laughs> and the thing is, they thought it was really bad now, but nobody's come to us. How do we work the American flag into a Star Trek story? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which is sadly up until that very ending, Omega Glory, one of my favorite episodes, up until the ending where you go, oh, you were yeah, so right? good up to here. Everything was great. And then you get that last 30 <laughs> seconds, you're like, oh, you did, why? <laughs> what did you do, you bastard? <laughs> oh wait no that's a terrible ending as well (laughs) all right everybody thank you very much for joining us this was uh this was cat's paw um i I don't know what we're gonna do next it'll probably be a movie or something we'll we'll let you know yeah um but in the meantime thank you very much for joining us and we'd also like to say a special thank you to our good friends over at five-year mission Uh, for the use of their song beam down as our intro and outro. Thank you. Uh, Please make sure you head over to fiveyearmission.net and check out all their stuff. They do an, uh, a song for every episode of the old series and then group them into albums by season. It is cool. It's really cool stuff. Uh, so definitely check it out and, you know, take a look around, see if there's other stuff you'd be interested in buying because they got lots of cool stuff. Anyway, thank you everybody and have a good one. Take it easy. Thank you very much. Stargate 832 2016.